when we feel jealousy, envy, less than, it's actually a coming attraction of what the universe wants for us. It's actually us locating our greatness in another. And there are actual neurological studies that just this excites me so much where it has been proven that we wouldn't be able to see the thing that we want if we didn't have it within us. soul ascenders okay so how many of you that are listening to us right now would like to be featured on oprah what oprah oprah <laughs> oprah i mean dream it's like <laughs> i dream about oprah winfrey <laughs> oh my gosh and so you are going to hear from the amazing sarah cannell who is a best-selling author coach and the CEO of Thought Leader Academy. And you're going to hear her incredible story. I don't want to give too much away, but um, there was a point where I'm pretty sure Jen's jaw was on the floor (laughs) and had to pick it up. I like, and my whole body was tingling. There was a moment in this interview that literally I could feel every goosebump on every inch of my body. Yeah. And Megan kind of surprised me because she knew a lot of Sarah's story and I didn't. And so I thought I knew Sarah's story, but she's so freaking humble, you guys, that I didn't even know these pieces about her story. And so I'm just, when you dive into this interview, you're going to literally have your whole body Literally, your whole body is going to have goosebumps and you're going to feel it in your bones. Yeah. You're going to feel it in your bones. Yeah. And so, you know, if you have a story inside of you or you're just wanting your voice to be heard, this podcast is your permission to do so. One of the biggest takeaways, um, I don't know about you, Jen, but I think one of the biggest takeaways that I always get from Sarah is how a story can save a life or change a life. And, you know, no matter how insignificant you think your situation or your story might be, this podcast is going to break all of those rules and remind you that you are significant. You are powerful. Your voice matters. Your story matters. And this is how you can possibly change a life and make an impact. So, and not only that, but another takeaway too, is that, you know, we were talking about how we like to make other people extraordinary in (laughs) order to keep us in mediocrity. And I think that when you hear what Sarah has to say about this and, and she talks a lot about jealousy mm-hmm. and how to reframe it and how to reframe the comparison itis that is so contagious right now, especially in social media. Yeah. So yeah. yeah all of that in one episode. <laughs> well, yeah, that and, you know, jealousy being a sign that you're up to great things. Mm-hmm. I love the way that she flipped it because I, I hate to admit it. I'm kind of embarrassed, but I used to be a very jealous person really? all the time. Yeah. I, that really surprises me. Oh, yeah. I'm glad you're admitting it. Is this yeah. the first time you've admitted nobody, it? Nobody would ever know. <laughs> no. <laughs> but it's that reframing, right? You use jealousy as an opportunity yeah. to expand on, on you know, those little nudges that mm-hmm. you're getting. It means it's it's your destiny. So I love that when yeah. she said that. So you guys get ready. You're gonna love this episode. Sarah Cannell is a rock star. Rocks. Can you say that again? Rock star. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> Dive in. <laughs> 
Welcome to the Soul Ascend podcast with your hosts, Meg and Jen. We're going to help you mega manifest and generate your soul's highest ascension in business, relationships, spirituality, money, and health. Welcome and let's dive in. Hey everyone, welcome to the Soul Ascend podcast with Meg and Jen. What's up, Meg? What's up, girlfriend? I'm so excited. <laughs> we say this every time. It's like we start every podcast with, I'm so excited <laughs> and I just can't hide it. And she's going to sing. She can't act, but she can sing. Definitely yeah. can't. <laughs> So we are pumped. We're pumped because we're here with our just an amazing human. Uh, her name is Sarah Knell. Yeah. And so for those of you that are listening, uh, one, one big thing is, you know, we all have a story inside of us. And that is a huge takeaway that I have got since connecting with this incredible woman who is a best-selling author coach. She is the founder of Thought Leader Academy. And she, you know, on a personal level, she was the one that helped me take my idea of soul success as a book and not just gave me the confidence and support, but also the practical tools to bring it into fruition, making it a best-selling book. And, um, and she is just a light worker and so much love poured into everything that she does. So Sarah, thank you so much for being with us today, sister. Oh, thank you. I'm so pumped too. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we could talk for days about any topic. And so, you know, I think what's really fun, Sarah, is just how you really speak to the hero's journey, Mm. the shiro's journey. And you, you said something, um, that now I think is probably the mantra to your business is, you know, that a book or a story can save a life. Yep. Uh, and so can you just, you know, for those that maybe don't know who you are, can you share a little bit about your journey and the work that you do and how a book has saved your life? Yeah, it's, it's so, you know, I've heard that phrase a lot. You can't connect the dots looking forward, but only looking back. And I love that idea because when I look back, I'd wanted to be a writer as a kid. I was one of those kids that loved to read. And I was like, I'm going to be a writer. And I had this whole story about how you knew you were allowed to be a writer. And a teacher had to tell you you were special and that you could be a writer. And that's, that's how you knew, because that's what happened in all the movies and all the books. And when that didn't happen for me, I didn't consciously understand, but I decided, oh, I'm not allowed. Like, I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy of this dream. And so I can look back and just see how I was so... Um, I was so in the mindset of external validation, like someone has to give me approval or permission. And so because that didn't happen, I went and became an English major and read other people's writing. And I, um, you know, got a job in advertising where I was sort of a shadow creative to what I really wanted to be doing. And probably, I, I hate that this happens, but I think that a lot of times when we pick something that's not our authentic path, it gets really bad. Um, I heard Caroline may say something where um, your angels, like in her vernacular, would be like, your angels will make it worse than worse until you, you know, have to face that you're not mm-hmm. where you need to be. And that's what this job was. It was, I was, I was not value aligned. Um, there was a lot of toxic behavior. Um, I was sexually abused chronically, like almost every day since I started at that job and cried in the stairwell every day at lunch. And it was just, it was just awful. And yet I was keeping myself there 
out of fear, out of fear. I couldn't do anything else. There was nothing, you know, I was a young woman trying to make my first, you know, pay for myself and, you know, on my own. And, um, and it was, it just got worse and worse. And so, um, I, during all of this developed like a really severe eating disorder and mm. I was dying if I stayed on that path, like, and, and probably some of you listening and, you know, the two of you, that feeling of you, it just, it's just like you're swirling and it's like the yeah. screaming and no sound is coming out. And I was in that place. And so I was traveling a lot for the job and I was in Boston, um, traveling back to Chicago and they're calling my flight and there's a bookstore. And so, you know, those of you that love to read or are writers, it was like, Oh, Oasis church, right? Sanctuary. Mm-hmm. And I grabbed a book because I didn't have time to read the book jackets. And you know, you both know this story, but I got on the plane and um I read this woman's story. And she wasn't a celebrity. She was this woman that told her story in a book. And I stayed up the whole night reading and I was like, this is my story. This is a woman with childhood trauma she hadn't dealt with, a life-threatening eating disorder, and she shared how she got out. Wow. And I just made a vow that night. I said, I am getting help. And I did the next day. It was like that book, I can trace it looking back, connecting the dots back. I can trace back that that book saved my life because if I'd stayed there, I mean, I don't, I don't know how soon it would have happened, but it, it, it was, it was a soul death already and physical wouldn't have been too far behind. And so I got help. I got physically well, and that gave me the strength to meet the job. And I decided, Hey, I don't think I'm good enough. I don't think it'll work, but I'm going to pursue this crazy thing of being a writer because it's what, it's the only thing I want to do. I heard J.K. Rowling say that once. She's like, it's just the only thing. Like, <laughs> the only thing I thought I could do. And so um, it didn't happen overnight, but that choice to just do it anyway, even though I didn't believe I was good enough and didn't have all the foundations, and um, that led to all these extraordinary experiences, the New York Times and Oprah and all these you know, TV shows and getting to do the work I do now, which is helping other people bring their stories into the world and change lives. So I don't say it as a, um, a generality that a book can save your life. I, it, I mean it literally. Mm, yeah. You know, Sarah, you know, I relate to that so deeply, you know, suffering through eating disorders and, and having moments where a story saved my life as well. So I think that this is universal and I love how you have this beautiful way to allow people that are ordinary quotes, right? To be extraordinary through written word. And I think that's one of your superpowers that really resonates with me is that, Mm -hmm. you know, you're supporting me in writing my book as well. And it became like, I'm just, I'm just me, but my story, right. Gets to be an extraordinary story, even though I consider myself right. An ordinary human, just like we all do. And so I think for people listening, there might be a story inside of them and they might be going back and forth with, am I good enough? can I do this? Yes. And I think it might be overwhelming for some people to think about how to bring their story to the written word. So can you maybe speak into that a little bit about how it doesn't have to be so overwhelming. It can be simple. Yes. I love this so much because women, we already know there's studies that women um, often have a confidence gap. So we underestimate our worth, our performance, our skill, our value by 30% of reality, you know, and then men overestimate by about 25%. So I just love, it. I just love it. I'm never going to get sick of that study. I love it so much. It's like framed but in my It's funny because um, that statistic pl- explains so much. 
Doesn't it like I would sit there and, you know, my husband would react to something and I'd be like, I don't think this person like me. He's like, I never think about if people like me, I could give a rat's. I mean, it's so, it's oh, so totally. beautiful, right? Yeah, my husband too. Yep. Right. And so, so it's beautiful because I can, I can learn from that. Right. And then embrace my own feminine leadership. And so anyway, we have this confidence gap, lots of us, and I certainly did. And what we forget, and I love Jen, that you just said that about, you know, we think, well, I'm just me as if that wasn't magnificent, mm-hmm. epic. Yeah heroic. We don't think of it because we've lived it and we like survived it or we did something, but we think, oh, well, it's not, you know, we're constantly doing that while I'm not, you know, Oprah. So whatever, I'm not Brene Brown. And what's so extraordinary to me is that I think humans really do come on this planet to live the hero's journey. And for us as women, the shero's journey. And what that means then is our, our story is bigger than our human it is, it's bigger. And that there is an epic journey that we're all on. If you think about the Shiro's journey, it's, you've got your person who doesn't think they're up to the task that's in encoded in this. They, they think, but not me, I'm just a whatever. And then they're called to a, a quest and there's huge challenges and obstacles and joys and triumphs along the way. And then ultimately they reach a point where they have gained some wisdom that they bring back to the tribe mm-hmm. or the community. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think book writing or a social media post or a talk from a stage is really all about. Even if we're teaching something, it's the Shiro's journey. Yeah. Well, and to echo what you're saying, Sarah, on a personal note, you know, I had a lot of hesitation about writing a book, especially a manuscript. And so when I sent it to you, it, I was scared as shit. I was like, oh my God, somebody else is actually going to read this. My deepest, darkest secrets. And who am I? Like my story is not anything, right? I'm just an ordinary person. And so I just want to say, you know, sending that to you and then your response gave me permission that, yes, I might be an ordinary person, but I am capable of extraordinary things just like everybody else. And my voice does matter. So um, I just want you to know how much your support has meant to me on a personal level. And I know for Jen as well. Absolutely. And, um, and all of the incredible women that I've met within your community who you've given them permission that their voice matters, their story matters, they are significant and a book can really save a life. And one thing that you, um, when I interviewed on you on a previous show, you spoke to that I think really hit me hard in the audience as well is, you know, if you look at the mentors in your life and, you know, the Brene Browns and the Oprah Winfrey's and the Michelle Obama's and all of these women who have carved the path and shared their story, how much it's impacted you what if they didn't exist? What if they said, oh, you know what? My story doesn't matter. I'm going to hold back. Like, what if? And that alone hit me so hard mm. because if we're, if we're playing small and saying we don't matter, then we're telling all the other women and all the yep. future generations of little girls that their stories don't matter as well. I think this right there is it's the whole thing right where this point where we are with really examining the patriarchal structures in our in our world and the different you know constructs that are here it's if we don't so i I couldn't do it just for myself i really couldn't i started writing my first memoir and i'm like i had too much self-doubt too much self-loathing all the things 
But I kept thinking about, you know, that woman who wrote Holy Hunger. And I thought about Elizabeth Gilbert and Cheryl Strayed and Maya Angelou and what wouldn't have happened in my life, which is a lot, if if they had listened. And this is what also healed me. So for anyone, you know, if you want a little hack on this, go find your favorite author or thought leader and listen to interviews with them. Because what astounded me is that I just assumed Maya Angelou came out and was like, okay, I'm clearly amazing. And I'm <laughs> yeah. awesome. And, you know, I mean, come on, if you can write like that or Tony Morris and whoever it is. Right. And no, of course not. What you hear all of them say is I was plagued with self-doubt. Mm, I, yeah. I, I, people told me I was nothing. People told me, you know, again, and there are some women, you know, told you're a woman of color and you're not enough, you're, you're, you're abused. And so you're not enough or you're not educated, whatever the crap that people tell us. And so I think what's so extraordinary is thinking we're not just silencing ourselves. We're actually telling every other woman that she doesn't matter. We're, we're, part, we're enabling the silence. And so that called me forth. It was like, no, that's, that's not okay for me to not be part of the conversation. It's like a pay it forward. Because remember, it wasn't, you know, for as amazing as all those amazing women are and, and men that write books, like no one is Jen Luddington. No one's Megan McCann. Like no one has your story. And we don't know what part we're meant to play mm-hmm. in each other's lives and what the ripple effects could be. And that, that's everything to me. It keeps me going at least to keep writing the next book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I like this, the way this is going. And I, I want to take a little different angle here because you said something to me in an interview, a past interview that I, I think our audience really needs to hear. And I hope that you can go here with me. I'm pretty sure you'll remember, but we were talking about this comparison, right? Mm-hmm. Which plays off what we're talking about and comparing ourselves to other people and getting into that imposter syndrome. And you said something during this interview, you said that when you feel and I'll, I'll let you go into this, but okay, I think I know where we're going. Okay. And so I'm going to see what's coming in my soul and then we'll see if I get it. But yes, cause it's, it, it was a game changer for me. Mm-hmm. When we feel jealousy and be less than it's actually a coming attraction of what the universe wants for us. Mm-hmm. It's actually us locating our greatness in another. And there are actual neurological studies that just this excites me so much where it has been proven that we wouldn't be able to see the thing that we want if we didn't have it within us. It's actually like a thing where you wouldn't, because like, I don't go look at your know, baseball players and have that reaction. I have no interest. <laughs> I, don't care. I don't want to, I don't even want to watch it. I don't, whatever, you know, and, and baseball's great. It's just not my jam. So, but the point is like, we only feel the jealousy. Jealousy is simply desire in disguise and not even just desire, but it's actually I believe it's our destiny. Oh, that's good. It's so good. It stopped me dead in my tracks when she said that on the interview I did with her. I remembered that moment so deeply. I remembered it in my body. And it's, I feel like our audience right now is like, is, has the chills. Yeah. I think, I think that alone can solve 50%, if not more of the problems that we all have as women in career, female entrepreneurs um, men too, but I think specifically speaking to women, because we do the comparison thing and the self-doubt thing. Can you yeah. just say it one more time, Sarah? I just, I, I just want this quote to be really clear. And so people can take this with them today mm-hmm. and tomorrow. And, and let's take it into our bones. Cause remember, like Megan just said, if we all actually embody this, will the whole field changes, like yeah. the whole, yeah. so jealousy 
envy, when we go, I want that and I'm not good enough, is actually desire in disguise and my belief is it's destiny. It's actually a destiny tapping us. So if you are walking around going, oh, I wish I made that TV show, you're making a TV show. Like you can start getting excited right this hot minute because it's almost now I have this experience where I like high five it when I get that feeling. I go, oh, they did. And I think, oh my God, that means I get to do it. And it's so exciting instead of feeling crap. Because then if when I feel, when I used to feel jealousy, I would get, get judgmental of myself. Be like, oh, that's gross. Like who's yucky? That's a bad yucky thing. Mm -hmm. Now I get super excited because that means I'm going to do that thing in some way. shape. Drop the mic. Podcast is over. Seriously. That's that angle change right there. That shift is profound. I'm just saying. And I got so much feedback from that, by the way, Sarah, from, from listeners on that, on that show. And I know right now we're going to be getting tons of comments on this because this, this one thing, if I had heard this, I know (laughs) if I had heard this 10 years ago, it would have changed the trajectory of my life. While you're enjoying this episode, we're going to take a moment to pause and tell you about the next level of your ascension. Imagine white, sandy beach for miles, (laughs) the smell of coconut and sunscreen, and a sacred sisterhood with yours truly, Meg and Jen. We're inviting you to join us at our next retreat in St. Pete's, the Soul Ascend Retreat, August 19th to the 22nd. How can they find it, Jen? They can go to our website, which is soulascendpodcast.com for all the juicy details. And if you check us out on IG, you'll probably see amongst awkward pictures of yours truly, (laughs) some glorious St. Pete's beach photos where you can join us in paradise. See you there. Yeah, Absolutely. because what, because you can, you, I mean, and same with me, right? I, I didn't, I had this, it was just one of those moments, you know, you get them where they're just something downloads and it's like, holy shit. like I've been seeing this in an illusion. I've been having that. Yeah. It's like we get under spells, you know, yeah. spells, like we're not good enough, all these spells. And it's like, it's coming attractions. It's what you're here to do. And so now if that's true, then we get to like, get so excited that the universe just said, Hey, guess what? And then get onto the business of creating it. So cool. So, okay. I love all this so much, but I, I actually have not heard Sarah's Oprah story. I know you think okay. that I've heard Sarah's Oprah story, Oh, but I have not well, heard Sarah's Oprah story. Well, and here, and here's one of the coolest things about Sarah is I had known Sarah for maybe a year and I had no clue that she was on Oprah until one of our mutual friends said, Oh, did you know that Sarah was on the Oprah Winfrey show? And I'm like, Holy shit. That is how badass Sarah is. And you know, you don't need to gloat your accolades or your accomplishments. You just, I mean, it didn't surprise me that you were because you are such a powerful force, Sarah. And what I love most about you is how connected to earth, how relatable Mm -hmm. and how just you're, you're speaking to the ordinary person in all of us. Um, and you don't need to gloat about all of your accomplishments, but say, Hey, you know what? This is what I've done. You can be on Oprah too. You have a story to tell too. I did this for you. 
And that, that is one of the biggest takeaways that I get from hearing you speak and sharing this story. So well, I have something to add to that yeah. before we pop into the Oprah story. Cause I cannot wait, but you know, mm-hmm. I think talking about this ordinary, extraordinary, I just have one little comment to add. It's mm-hmm. like, we talked about this the other day, Meg, it's like people make other people extraordinary so they can stay in their mediocrity. Yeah. Yeah. So they can stay in their mediocrity. Yes. And what you do, Sarah, and what are, we're empowering, we're, we, I would really want our audience to feel empowered right now is to say, I'm not going to make other people extraordinary so that I can stay comfortable, right? Yeah. I get to stand in my power and know that my ordinariness is extraordinary. Yes. And so, um, Sarah, thank you for modeling that. Um, I think that's the power of you is that you, you embrace that and embody that. Mm. So, because I too had the same experience of you. I've known you for a long time. I've not, I didn't even know you were on Oprah until I did our last interview and I read your bio. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. I'll be quiet now, but I, I really want to hear this cause I don't know it. I have no idea. Well, this is, it's, it's fun thinking about it for two things based on our conversation with this. So I'm going to tell it a little differently than like, you know, if someone at the dinner party asked or whatever, because of you both being extraordinary and, and this audience, because, um, I, I don't think I've ever shared this. This is almost embarrassing, but I'm just going for it. So I had this vision of being on Oprah for a long time, like everyone, right? You could kind of go, everyone has this vision, but I just was like, it's happening. And I don't know how I get out of the how and all this, but this is happening. And I I live in Chicago now where she had Harpo Studios and had the show for a long time. So, um, I had a friend about a year or so before it happened for us to be on the show. And she said, I got tickets to Oprah and you got to come. And I said, no, I'm not coming. And she was really pissed. She was like, and I didn't explain it because I just didn't want to get into it with her. But the reason I didn't go is because I said, I am going when I am on the stage. Wow. Mm. I am not. And it wasn't like a, a ego. Th- it was more like the vision yeah. was clear. And I was like, I am saving that experience for when I am. On- now, there was no reason I had to think I would ever actually fulfill this, right? It just, it shouldn't have technically happened on paper and whatever, but I remember that moment of saying something in me. And so those of you listening, the reason I feel like I'm moved to share this is that if there's something you've envisioned for yourself and you're just like, I know it seems a little out there, but you just can see it and feel it and taste it. I had that. And so all kinds of stuff happens. Life happens. Oprah's show is nearing the end, right? She announced like, this is the last season and I still haven't been on the show. And at that same time, some of you know this part of my story, but um, I went through a tremendous amount of challenges getting pregnant. I had stillborn twins. I had a miscarriage, like really, really hard stuff oh, on the journey of having a family. And um, was in, it was seven years of, of really excruciating pain, honestly. And um, so any of you going through it, I'm sending you so much love. And um, at whatever point in this, we've been through so much stuff. And um, my mother, who was 59 at the time, had this crazy idea to offer to be our surrogate. And that is also very like wild and science fiction. And how could this happen? And that is actually how my son, oh yeah, Jen, you didn't know this part. You so, don't know this story? Yes. No. What? Yes. This is, so, I can't believe this is happening right now. I know. So, so picture this. So, and, and the crazy part was that it happened because of a vision board. She came to a workshop that I gave and my mom had always thought I'm so weird. And she would say this, like, you're just <laughs> ever. and she finally was like, I want to see what this weird stuff Sarah does is. And she came and made this vision board and she's like, I don't know what this means. But in the vision board, when we look back, this 
idea was there. And it's, it's a whole nother long story that I won't get to. But the point is, my mother offers this incredible idea. We assume the doctors will think we're insane and say no, but she was in incredible shape and healthy. And they said, yeah, this actually could happen. What? So this is how my son came into the world. Oh with- my God. Sarah, my heart yeah. is like swelling right now. I've never heard this story. Oh, You're- it's, it's so wild. So, so this is like this incredible miracle that's happening. And when we pursued this path, I had been working on a different book and um, I said, I feel really called to write about this. Is it okay? Cause I needed to ask like, my mom, my husband, I'm going to be writing about his sperm count. I mean, it's like, you know, it's a personal thing. So they were very gracious and said, yes, I want you to write about it. So I'm writing this book and um, it's near the end of Oprah's show and the book isn't done, right? I got a book deal. I got an agent, but like the book isn't finished. It won't be out till the fall and it's spring. And we got all of these requests. People were flooding after this happened. Like um, it got kind of leaked to the Chicago Tribune, just through our fertility clinic. I wasn't going to do anything about it till the book came out or share the story at all. And we got just flooded with all these things. And and our family was like, we're not going to do any press. And my mom made a joke, like endless Oprah calls. Cause I mean, <laughs> And she your just mom was, is a manifester. She is a badass manifester. And she, um, so she made the joke and I was like, I certainly didn't want to put pressure on anyone in my family to turn this into like a media thing. Two days later, Oprah calls. No. <laughs> Kid you not. And oh, like it's blowing my mind right now. So she's, they're like, Oprah is obsessed with the story. She, I don't know if she said obsessed. She's very taken by this. She's so moved. And we only have five episodes left, but could you guys come on the show? And of course we're like, oh my God, yeah. And so it all happens. The crew's here shooting in our house and we've got like our newborn baby. It was just like, it's so wild. And um, we were on the last three episodes, the last that last week. And it was so, I've heard this about Obama, but Oprah is who she is, right? Like how we see, how she see, you know. Who think she would be. It was the most genuine, loving, and you know, she always jokes about like not wanting kids and babies. So I didn't know how, you know, whatever, whatever. And she was just like, I want to hold Finn. And he recently found a picture. We had like, uh, they took a picture at the studio and Oprah's holding Finn and our family's, you know, on the stage. And Finn's like, who's this lady holding me? Oh Oh my God. (laughs) I dream about being you and Oprah holding my baby. Are you kidding me? Unbelievable. It was unbelievable. And what was so beautiful was my mom and I had like grown up loving her show and it was such, such a big deal to us, like get to do that with her and have this celebration of the story and the miracle that she gave us. Oh oh my God. Oh, Sarah, that is, I, I I can't believe I don't know that. I can't believe you don't know that. I love watching your reaction right now because that was me when I first, no, like my, my whole being just I just got moved. Um, that, that is something that I wasn't expecting, but it was so beautiful that your mom not only manifested your family and created this beautiful connection for your family, but manifested a way for you to share that message with the world in a, in the biggest possible way. I mean, I want to meet your mom too. Okay. <laughs> yeah, she, mom on the show. <laughs> yeah, she, she's a who. And the best part is, you know, because people, of course, were saying, "Oh my, you gave this gift," and like, how, what a sacrifice. And she, she'll say this. She, she's like, people don't understand. This was so selfish for me because she was feeling like, "Oh, I'm turning sixty. People say women are done, and you lose your, you know." And she's like, 
I am now, she had never done anything unconventional in her life. Like this woman who was like a by the book Catholic, like nothing. And she now, she's gone to Haiti and built houses. She doesn't get, she is like, I am living my, I have never seen her. It is so exciting to see her in her full, like absolute vitality at this phase. Yes. Unbelievable. Well, and when you first told me this story, Sarah, my first thought, I don't think I shared with you is your mom is breaking every single rule. And it's amazing because, you know, as modern day women, we're, we're being tested in so many different ways to fit within a certain mold or fit within the box. And everything about your story is so outside of the box that I, I think one of my biggest takeaways right now is it's it's giving women today and then future women, the little girls of today, permission that if you want to be 60 years old and have a baby, <laughs> look who's done it. If you want to be on Oprah, this is how you manifest that type of level of success. And it's it's what a lot of people would see as, you know, we always joke about being witches as magnetic <laughs> manifestors and our husbands call us witches. <laughs> and I'm like, well, what does that even mean? Because mm-hmm. when you first hear the word witch, you think of centuries ago when it was a very negative thing, you would be burned at the stake yeah. from being a witch. And now I would love to just redefine what that word means yeah. because I do see it as witchcraft, but it's lightness. Yeah. It's it's yeah. manifestation. It's breaking the rules for the highest good yeah. for the yeah. good of everybody. Yes, and I think it's the highest compliment to call. Someone called me a witch, and they probably didn't mean it. They said you're just so like a witch, and I was like, that is the nicest thing. I took yeah. it. I just mentioned it as an insult, but I thought it was awesome. I was like, I feel so happy. You know, something I, I as we're talking about breaking these boundaries, there's that wonderful, I think, I don't know if it's by anonymous or I forgive me if I'm not quoting the person it's attributed to, but it's the idea that everything is impossible until someone does it. Yeah. yeah. It's, and the six, it, it's the, what is it? The six minute mile rule, right? right? It's like, exactly. It yeah. was the yeah. four minute, the four six minute mile, four minute mile. Yeah. Now it's probably a two minute mile on this Olympics on Tokyo. <laughs> I'm sure it'll be a two minute. So What's so wild is when we went into that um, doctor's office, this amazing clinic that we worked with and, and shared this idea, you know, we really did think they would probably just call the psychiatrist and be like, you know, I'm sorry, but, <laughs> but really, like, this is too much. Like, this is science fiction now. No. And um, our doctor, Dr. Coulomb had had like 10 kids naturally. So she was like this total like archetypal grandma, like amazing woman. And, um, and my husband's kind of sitting there and he's like, I mean, I'm just like asking because we hear about the like biological clock and the age and, and she's like well that's the eggs right which we have from Sarah um she said the uterus doesn't age oh I mean and and now obviously there's tissue that ages in our body and all that but what I felt like it was this mystical experience of realizing the power of the creative force in women and that that womb energy whether you mm-hmm. really have your womb or you have a hysterectomy it doesn't matter the organ isn't important it's the energy center that we have and how it only gets more powerful and like to have this doctor wow. say this and see my mom like take this incredible talk about the Shiro's journey and it's freaking amazing, right? Oh. That she did this with her body at that age. And, and so I think, um, I mean, I think it's just, again, back to this confidence gap thing. Like we don't, we underestimate so profoundly, I think how much power. We have our portals, we're portals of light. 
and life. And I think that standing in that and the way that, and, and I'm just going to say this, we said that your mom's a rule breaker. You're a rule breaker. Yeah. You, yeah. you, you and your mom are rule breakers. So let's just acknowledge you for that because that's bravery and that's courage for you to stand up and allow everyone, all the naysayers, everything to come at you and say, no, I'm standing in this power. This is what we're going to create as a family and redefining what family looks like. That's right. breaking the rules. And yes. so I, I, we get to acknowledge your mom, but let's just acknowledge you for a hot mm-hmm. second too, Sarah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah, thank you. And, and I love, you know, we did the joke of, you know, everyone says it takes a village to raise the child. It's like, well, we did the village to have the child. Like, we, <laughs> you know, we're just going to go in. But it's so true. Like there's re like reinvention, innovation. And we get so rigid. I have in the past of like what things are supposed to look like and how it can happen. And there aren't really rules, right? That's the witchcraft or the spell casting. Mm-hmm. And words are spells, right? When we oh, cast yeah. written words, when we speak words into the universe, we're casting spells of manifestation and creation. And I think that's a huge takeaway for women too, is that our words and mm-hmm. our written word that you are so powerful in helping women create our spells into the reinvention of what women get to be in this next you know, phase mm-hmm. of our ascension. So yeah, Sarah, I love this so much. I mean, we could continue to talk to you until tomorrow. <laughs> Can we do it? I'm coming over. <laughs> Making my dreams come true. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Oh, it's so good to be with you. Yeah. Well, and, and one other thing before we get into our soul assignments is I just want to acknowledge that because we, we've been talking about witchcraft and I kind of want to go down that that route of witchcraft, high priestess energy that is embodied in this story of the amazing Sarah Cannell. And you took your darkness, your infertility, your losing twins, your um, sexual trauma and abuse, and so many horrific things that I think to a lot of people are unthinkable. And you alchemize that into your greatest superpower and your life's purpose. Um, Hell yeah, you did. It's, it's extraordinary. The type of alchemy you literally turned lead into gold. (laughs) That, that is what witches do. That is what the high priestess does. So I just want to take a moment to recognize that. And for anybody who might be on the other end of that, they're experiencing the dark night of the soul. And they're like, I just don't see the book. I don't see Oprah. Like that is so in a different field right now. I just want to survive. (laughs) What is some advice or some tools that you would give this person who's on that side? So just that I'm, I hear you and feel you. Right. And I know you both have been through, you know, traumas, like there's, there's, rarely most of us that survive to adulthood who haven't really had some shit. And so one of the things that um, I could not see how I could get beyond the pain of of the the sexual abuse was was such a journey. Right. And then, and then the the loss of the twin, you know, some of those moments where I was like, I don't think I can survive it or, or at least I might survive it, but I can't ever get out like to some kind of joy or light or whatever. And what, what I cling to is um, something I heard Marion Williamson say. So she was, I got to talk at a conference with her once and she said, um, anywhere in nature where there is a poison, like a poisonous plant that could kill you, the antidote grows within 12 feet. 
there's this phenomenon and I haven't been able to find like an article on it or what. I don't care. It's Sarah, can you say that one more time? This is, this kind of blew my mind. So, so she was basically saying, and, and then I took it metaphorically, wherever there is a poisonous plant in nature, like in the rainforest or the field or whatever that could kill you, the antidote grows within 12 feet. Of and 12 feet. And so what I took metaphorically from this is wherever the wound, whatever the darkness, wherever that moment of just leveling, um, like the, the wildfire just comes through your life, like in that exact spot is also the antidote. Mm-hmm. And this was spoken to in ancient wisdom too, about like the wound and the, the wounded healer sort of path and all that stuff. But I mean, there's something about like there is a cure. There is a way. There is a way you are coming out the other side of this because I really did, honestly, of anything, the the sexual abuse and the effects of it, what that did, I really thought like, I just can't ever get over this. I just am so in it. And it took a long time, but there is always the cure. There's always the way out. And, and I just think of, I envision like this lush kind of jungle environment of like going, it's here, like right where I'm standing, I can, cause we can see 12 feet, you know, like we can, we can have visual on 12 feet, like from right where I'm sitting. So if anyone is in that part, the cure is, is within 12 feet of you. It is, it is in your immediate vicinity. And it's like, that is just so profound to me that the yeah. universe is that loving. And, oh. and I, I believe it's true. Yeah. You know what this makes me think of is um, on another podcast in this season, we interviewed Carrie Michelle, oh, yeah. who talks about the law of polarization mm-hmm. and whatever you're feeling, it's the antidote, the, pol- the polarized opposite. It can be, it can be transmuted. It's accessible. And that was a huge takeaway that I got from our interview. So for those of you that are listening, make sure that you check out in the future or uh, Carrie Michelle's episode because it speaks directly to this. And, um, and it, it, the antidote analogy makes so much sense because 12 feet away is within our realm of possibility. I think mm-hmm. sometimes we think the antidote is on the other side of the globe. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. We have to, you know, we have to, you know, spend countless hours and adversities, you know, finding, and sometimes it might feel that way. However, um, however, knowing that it's accessible, it's within reach, it's within visibility, I think can give us a lot of faith that it is possible for us. But it's also that this speaks to the witch, right? And I'm, yeah. I'm going to go here for just a second. It's like, oh, are we getting woo yeah, yet? I, I'm yes. going to go, well, it, it's this. Okay. So for me, the solution is always creative. And I think that speaks to the high priestess and the witch is that women are into, we're intuitive, creative beings. And, you know, the, the solution doesn't have to look the way that we think it should look. The solution can be created and manifested from thin air if we really, really intuitively listen to what's happening. And I think that for women, we're, we're such creative beings that solutions are a lot easier for us than they are for men in my experience, because we're so vast in our thinking. And that's, that's my opinion. That's my experience. And so if you're in a hole and you know, it's 12 feet from you, there are 50 ways 
to get mm-hmm. out of the hole. There's a million different mechanisms to create the intention. Yeah. And yeah. I think that that creativity from women is a powerful takeaway for our audience is that there is a solution as long as you can get creative. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and what's so exciting, what you're both saying is we were speaking to someone that might be in that like, oh my God, I'm so far from, yeah. you know, getting up on the TEDx stage or whatever the thing is, right? But it works both if we're in the hole because we can literally fly we can blow it up with dynamite. I mean, there's all the things with our creative power, like you said, Jen, but it's also true for the vision, right? Like if we're not in the hole, but we just think, oh, that's too big for me. That's yeah. too, remember, we wouldn't even have the vision if we weren't destined to do it. So this is also true about the antidote in this way is the way. We don't need a cure to something. It's just the way. I mean, we, like you said, Jen, we can't even imagine the way that we're going to get to that next mm-hmm. thing. Sometimes it's usually not what we expect it to be mm-hmm. at all, which is what kind of makes life fun in a way when we can see it that way. So it's both for getting out of the pain, but also to manifest mm. that vision. Yes. And that resourcefulness that we have as women too is super powerful and using all of our resources, all of our intuition. I think that's a powerful thing to take away also. Mm. Sarah, thank you for this. Um, I, I don't want to, I, I don't want this to end, but I also want to really have our audience sit with some of the, the concepts that we've discussed today and have them create uh, or, or co-create an ascendment with you. So yes. an ascendment is more of, yeah, it's more of a mantra. It's almost like a feeling that they can take and they can repeat to themselves throughout their day or their week. So what are you feeling that we can co-create today um, for a mantra or an ascendment? Oh my gosh. I'm going to just close my eyes so I can really yeah. feel the energy. You know what I'm getting? And it's what you said, Jen, is um, I cast spells with my words. Mm. And I create the life of my dreams now. Mm. I mean, even Sylvia Plath talks about poem writing as spell casting. Like it's even in like non-people that think of themselves as woo-woo and witchy, right? And yeah, that's, and I cast spells with my words so that we're really conscious of speaking Mm. the vision into reality. Beautiful. I love that. That is so good. That is so good. I cast spells with my words. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. So how can we take this mantra and help our listeners get into action and maybe start taking those baby steps yep. to maybe whether it's unveiling their story or um, eventually writing a book or getting featured on Oprah, you know, whatever their vision is, what are, what is a first baby step? that somebody who's listening that's feeling very inspired by your story, Sarah, um, what's the first baby step they can take? So what's coming to me around this, I usually would be inclined to do some kind of writing thing, but what I really got when I got into the energy with the two of you today is that um, let's, let's all do a bold stretch action where we do cast a spell with our words. And so what I'm going to, what I'm going to, how do, how I feel moved to shape that would be who is a person or organization that you have just known you're meant to connect with? So go back to jealousy, right? Like if that's the prompt oh, or, yes. or just something that's on a vision board, mm-hmm. however it's come to you and just reach out. Like, even if it feels like, 
because you're going to have the voices, right? Yeah. We're going to have the confidence gap. Oh, there, I'm to this. I just was sharing before, you know, we came on live on the show that I um, reached out to someone I've wanted to interview for a long time because they've made a really big impact during the pandemic. Um, it's this wonderful author, ex-Navy SEAL, who's just created a lot of support for people with PTSD. And it's really helped me and a lot of people I know. And I thought, there's no way. I talk, you know, you're going to talk yourself out of it. There's no, they're not going to write back. They have a team. He's never even going to see this. And we cast spells with our words. So I just wrote an email. So what? They might not write back, but I am being the most powerful version of me. You know, if I reach out to him, right? Regardless. So that's the assignment is like, like reaching, just sending an email, sending a video, sending something, posting on their Instagram page, whatever it is, but having some contact with whatever someone's Oprah is, right? And it could be someone much more accessible in your world or whatever. It doesn't matter. Who have you just known that you're meant to connect with? Yes. That's so good. And in full transparency, Jen, we wouldn't have a podcast <laughs> with amazing guests had we not taken that on and had the courage. And you know what? I often do get a no. Yes. <laughs> yes. I am not overwintering. Yes. <laughs> but yes. Sometimes there are people who I never think would say yes, and they're a yes. And we have the most extraordinary connection, yep. most yep. extraordinary conversations. So that is such a beautiful takeaway and it's instrumental. It, it's, <laughs> it, it could be life-changing for somebody to be able to make that leap of faith. And like you, I get no's all the time. Like, it's not like every time I do this, that would be nice if every, but then we wouldn't even get scared because we go, oh, if I do it, they'll say, I get tons of times either no one replies or if someone says no and you feel like, oh, but here's the great part. Like you said, Jen, even if one out of 10 people say, yes, think of the richness in your life. Think of the opportunities of the people that do and, and who we become. Because it's back to that thing of if we don't write the book, we're telling all the other girls in our life, like your story doesn't matter. I think it's kind of the same. If I don't reach out and say, you know, yeah, I can just be a peer and say, hey, are you interested in connecting in this way? I'm, I'm reinforcing a belief that, you know, there's that scale and there's yeah. not. Those invitations are, can be absolutely life-changing when you allow yourself to invite other people into your vision. Yes. And I look at that as an invitation, right? And that invitation can ascend you, mm -hmm. right? Sarah, thank you so much. So for those that are listening that want to learn more about you or, you know, maybe they're wanting to write a book or connect with you in some capacity, how can they do so? Absolutely. So anyone welcome to just check out our website because it's easy to contact us there and it's just uh, sarahcannell.com and it's S-A-R-A-C-O-N-N-E-L-L. -L. I know everyone spells Sarah differently. So um, sarahcannell.com or Instagram at sarahcannell. And um, yes, so here for anyone. I want to hear your stories, those of you listening, right? It doesn't have to be a book. It can be an Instagram post. It can be a blog. It can be a journal entry. I'm still getting out. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much, Sarah. And for everyone listening today, remember your ascendment. Megan, visit us on Instagram <laughs> at Soul Ascend Podcast. We want to hear from you as well. So send us your soul assignments and we will celebrate you and taking those baby steps to sharing your voice and possibly saving a life. Did you love this episode? We love connecting with our audience and we want to hear from you. Don't forget to subscribe, review, and share. You can also follow us on Instagram at Soul Ascend Podcast. And don't forget, when you write a five-star review, 
screenshot it and send it to us at info at soulascendpodcast.com. And we will send you our top 10 manifestation hacks 